Si sientes que tu compañía celular te quita tu dinero y tu poder, levanta la mano. En realidad, no podemos verte, así que puedes bajar la mano. Boost Mobile te da el poder de ahorrar con un plan sin límite por 25 dólares al mes en una de las redes 5G más grandes del país. En vez de perder el tiempo levantando la mano para avisos de radio, cámbiate a Boost y obtén un plan sin límite por 25 dólares al mes. Boost Mobile, desata tu poder. Solo nuevos clientes. Una línea por 25 dólares al mes con AutoPay. Aplica restricciones adicionales. Visite BoostMobile.com para detalles. Tired of long waits and rushed care at the ER and urgent care clinic? Next time, stay home and let Dispatch Health bring the power of the hospital to you. I call Dispatch Health. A care team of medical professionals actually come to your house. They're the same caliber of people that you would see if you were at a hospital or an urgent care. Dispatch Health can treat most non-life-threatening emergencies. They can do the x-rays, they can do stitches, urinary tract infections, blood tests, urinalysis, ultrasound. It's almost everything that they can do at the ER. You never feel rushed. They're there for you and only you. I felt like their only patient. And it costs no more than a trip to urgent care because Dispatch Health is covered by most insurance, including Medicare. See if we serve your home at DispatchHealth.com. Dispatch Health really went above and beyond. It's wonderful to have care come to your home. House calls are back and they're better than ever. Learn more at DispatchHealth.com. This is a special edition. This is a Supreme Court special edition. Uh, I've done very little preparation for today's show, so I'm just going to wing it and hope that it comes out halfway decent. Uh, the elephant in the room, of course, being the Supreme Court correctly overturning Roe versus Wade, a decision that was made by liberal activist judges creating out of whole cloth a right that is in no way, shape, or form indicated in the Constitution of the United States. The right does not exist. They had to patchwork together all kinds of bits and pieces to try to create this Frankenstein of legislation from the bench, uh, which is also something that they don't have the right to do as judges. But like I said, they were activists. Marxist judges. And uh, by the way, 
just so you know, all of those out there who are concerned with their inclusion and representation, they were all white. So there's your inclusion and representation. So the Supreme Court properly and correctly finally overturned Roe. Now, now I want to talk to everybody who is celebrating this uh, correct judicial ruling. And I want you to understand, as a matter of fact, I want both sides to understand that this in no way, shape, or form makes abortion illegal on a federal level. This instead correctly sends that decision to the states. Most, the vast majority of liberals are completely ignorant of the way our government works, the way our federal government works, and uh, actually there are quite a few uh, conservatives out there who are not aware of how our government works. First and foremost, we are not a democracy. Excuse me, just a second. I have to just make a slight adjustment here to the microphone levels. For those of you watching at home, for those of you watching at home, uh, Oh, well, I'm on the wrong mics. That's why. Stand by just a second. I'm going to switch mics. Check, check. For those of you, there we go. Much better. Much better. Sorry about the mix-up, folks. For those of you watching at home, I have my reading glasses on, and now they are back off. I was always told when you're recording uh, on video, if you don't have to wear glasses, don't wear glasses. I do have to wear glasses, which is why everything that I have to read is up on this screen over here to my right and is magnified 200 times, because I have a very nasty case of presbyopia. At any rate, Back to the point. We have, in the United States of America, not a democracy, not a democracy, not a democracy. We have a constitutional republic, and it is a federalist republic. That means that there are powers separated between the federal government and the state government, and properly so, per the Constitution of the United States, the federal government has precious few actual powers. As a matter of fact, in the Constitution itself, the Tenth Amendment states that those powers not specifically given to the federal government are granted to the states and the people. Now, this is, uh, this is an amendment that the left would love to get rid of. They'd love to get rid of the entire document, actually, uh, because it does limit the federal government, and they hate that. They hate the fact that the federal government's powers are limited. But they are. They are vastly limited. They are enormously limited. If it 
again, is not specifically spelled out in the Constitution that the federal government can do this, then they can't do it. Uh, that is why the federal bureaucracy is largely, if not entirely, unconstitutional. Uh, that is why Roe versus Wade was unconstitutional. Uh, actually, there are so very many reasons why Roe versus Wade was unconstitutional, but that's only one of them. But my point is that because we are a fed federalist government, and because the states have the ability to decide for themselves whether or not to legalize abortion, abortion is not illegal because of this ruling. Now, I understand why leftists would think that that's what this ruling means, because previously when the Supreme Court made rulings, made activist liberal rulings, it was unconstitutionally, it became legislation from the Supreme Court. It became law, federal law. And so to a liberal and I really don't like calling them that anymore because that's never what they were. That's just a moniker that they gave themselves and they're really, really good at giving themselves new names. To a Marxist, that's what this ruling would look like. But this is a constitutional ruling. This is a ruling that is done in the spirit of the Constitution, as it was written. And so, that means it is not federal law. Now, a lot of states did have what were called trigger laws. Trigger laws were laws set in place such that if at any point in time Roe was overturned, they would immediately go into effect, making abortion illegal instantly, which did happen. Uh, I can't remember the exact amount of states that this occurred in. I believe it was 13 or 15, something along those lines. And then there were five to eight other states who had laws that were currently in litigation in other courts, in courts lower than the Supreme Court. Those laws will also uh, go into effect uh, pretty much instantly because the lower courts now have no choice but to rule the same way the federal or the uh, Supreme Court ruled. So, there you go. Happy day for many, many states. And happy day for many, many babies who would otherwise be murdered in the womb. But, Doc, you say, I thought that means that it's not illegal. Well, you're right. And this is another point, and this is why I actually brought up the point to uh, constitutional conservatives, Christians... Uh, who had been uh, waiting for this day and thought that this meant the slaughter of innocent babies was over. It is not. It just makes it a little bit more difficult for it to happen. Um, people can still travel to whatever states allow abortions and have their abortions there. And by people, I mean pregnant women. You will never, I repeat, never, you will never see a man, a male, having an abortion. Just like you will never see them getting pregnant and you will never see them giving birth. 
because there are only two genders and only one of them can get pregnant. If there is one thing, one thing that I revere above all else, it is reality. It is the truth. But, but Doc, you might say again, what about God? Don't you revere God? That, my friends, is what I just said. The two are synonymous for me. Uh, well, they are synonymous, period, whether it's me or not. But uh, some people do not believe in God. And uh, as we well know nowadays, a whole bunch of crazy people do not believe in reality or the truth, or rather they believe in their own ability to shape their own reality and truth. But I digress, I frequently do. Back to Roe, the fact that this has been sent to the states and the fact that certain states can still or still have legalized abortion means that the slaughter of innocent children unfortunately will continue but very uh but quite a bit abated i should say now my conservative friends out there, maybe the agnostics or atheist conservatives out there are saying, but Doc, don't you want, shouldn't we make it a federal law that abortion is illegal? To which I answer, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It shouldn't be a federal law because the federal government does not have the authority to make it illegal. The federal government cannot dictate to the states this particular issue. Despite the fact that if our side wins, we would love them to be able to do that, they cannot do that. Okay? If you want your state to be a no-abortion state, then you have to do the grunt work to make it happen. You have to do the voting. You have to do the lobbying. You have to do the uh, campaign financing, uh, finance raising. Uh, you have to influence your government in that way. And in blue states, you first have to clean up your government. Because I can guarantee the reason that they are blue states, and I, I can guarantee this for every blue state. I'm willing to go out on a limb here and say every single blue state is corrupt as hell, and the only reason it is blue is because it is illegally so, because of corruption, because of graft. The vast majority of people all over this country are not liberals. As a matter of fact, I'd say it's about, at most, one-third of the population, probably less nowadays, given the recent insanity that has been foisted upon us by the left. So... You can make your state anti-abortion. As a matter of fact, technically speaking, ladies and gentlemen, murder is illegal in every single state in the Union and every territory in the Union, too. Murder is illegal. All you have to do is make the case that abortion is murder which is not hard. I'm going to do it right here. I'm going to do it right now. There is no argument against this. I actually came up with this argument back when I was in high school. I had just finished reading uh, some Aristotle and I uh, was struck by his, um, his argument about uh, uh, potenti potentiality 
and actuality. And well, actually, no, I, I didn't. I came up with this um, when I when I started college the first time. Um, and I thought back to uh, the Aristotle that I had read in high school, and so I reread it because it occurred to me that uh, although Aristotle correctly pointed out that. Uh, Actuality must precede potentiality. Potentiality also precedes actuality. And my initial argument was if you destroy a uh, butterfly's cocoon, then you are in fact, destroying a butterfly. If you destroy a potential butterfly, you are destroying a butterfly. But it also occurred to me that butterfly was a bug and it would not pluck at the heartstrings of liberals quite as much as, let's say, ooh, an endangered species. This is not to say that my argument is emotionally based, my argument is not emotionally based. It is entirely and 100% logically based. But it has, how shall I put this, uh, a little emotional flavor to it. I do so love to cook, and you can't make a good meal, and you cannot make a good argument against a liberal unless it has some flavor, some seasoning to it, some emotion to it, because liberals do not think with their minds. Liberals have been trained to think with their emotions. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with emotions. I personally do not have much of a use for them. But they are a requisite part of the human experience. And as, even though I myself am not at all uh, swayed by emotional argumentation, uh, most people are. Most people have to have an emotional connection of some kind. And so I decided, instead of butterflies, how about sea turtles? And so my argument went thusly. If I had some beachfront property, and I own the beachfront property, I own the beach, I own the front, I own the property. Yes, I know, that's, that's a stupid statement. However, I decide I am going to host a party on my beach, and I go out to survey my beach to see where I'm going to put the fire pit where I am going to put the volleyball net, etc., etc., and so on. And I find several clutches of sea turtle eggs on my beach, which I find very inconvenient, and, uh, well, very inconvenient because they will not allow me to host my party and have my fun. So I take a shovel, dig them up, and smash them all. Ree, 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 ree. I can hear them going crazy now. You can't do that now. I knew when I made this argument. And just like, just like Sun Tzu, when you make an argument, you have to know where your opponent is going to go after you make the argument. I specifically, again, used sea turtles. Yes, because there's an emotional content, but also to give them a road to go down, a path to go down. Sun Tzu states, always give your enemy a way of escape. Why? Because you're controlling where they go. And you control 
that area of escape. So I was controlling where they were going. And they immediately emotionally jumped to, but, 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 sea turtles are an endangered species and humans aren't. And yes, they all sound like that to me. To which I quickly reply, that has nothing to do with the argument. All you're doing at that point is valuing one species over another arbitrarily. You are saying that sea turtles are more important than human beings. This does not surprise me coming from a liberal, because again, they don't think. But that slams the door on their escape. They have no other argument after that. Because the fact is, if by destroying a fertilized sea turtle egg, I am destroying a sea turtle, then by destroying a fertilized human egg, you are destroying a human. I came up with that much later. Previous to that, I had been using the fact that they were, the liberals were using viability as a, an argument to which I pointed out that that doesn't make any sense because as time goes on, what is viable and what is not changes. And the, uh, the number of weeks that a, uh, uh, that at which a baby is born, uh, the viability of that changes. When I worked in neonatal intensive care, we were taken care of little itties, little itty bitties, 24 weekers, tiny, tiny little things. And they, a lot of them made it. As I recall, the majority of them made it. So if your argument is predicated on a constantly moving standard, then it's not valid. It is not logical. It's not valid. Then I also hit them with the fact that, well, you know, two-year-olds, they can't survive without their mother. So if they become inconvenient, does that just mean that we can kill them too? When I was making this argument back in the 80s and 90s, People, it would stop people. They'd be, well, no, of course not. Well, then I'm afraid you can't kill a child. You can't use viability as, uh, as, as a benchmark for your argument then. Because technically, two-year-olds cannot survive without their parents either. Hell, I know 40-year-olds who can't survive without their parents and uh, maybe we should be able to... Nope, nope. Bad doc. Don't think that. That's terrible. I can hear you all laughing out there. You should be ashamed of yourselves. So I was using the viability thing for a while, but, but, but nowadays, you know, if I use that argument about a two-year-old or whatever, you'll have people that say, yes, you should be able to abort your child at any age you want. As a matter of fact, there was some somebody, some nut job, uh, was being interviewed, and I saw this on uh, on YouTube. And this woman was actually saying that she was she actually believed, yeah, you should be able to kill your child at whatever age, hundred percent. That's how insane these people have become. That is how absolutely insane these people have become. Still, 
There are states where abortion is legal, despite this ruling, and despite the fact that not considering abortion murder is the most rank, intellectually flawed hypocrisy that I can possibly think of. Because again, you can also point out the fact that, well, if a guy robs a bank and he kills a pregnant woman, he does face two counts of murder for both the woman and the child. So that being the case, if it is illegal to kill that child in utero, why is it not illegal to kill any child in utero? Because the only thing that differentiates one from the other is that one mother wants one and the other mother doesn't. And that's not a legitimate argument. You cannot make a legitimate argument that the desire of the mother is going to decide whether or not her child lives because even that psycho that I was telling you about earlier that said, oh yeah, you should be able to abort your baby no matter how old they are, or abort your child no matter how old they are, two, three, five. Yeah, absolutely. If she did, she'd go to prison. So, I hesitate to say that that is the... I mean, that's part of what we've got to do. That's part of what we've got to do. That is what we've got to do when it comes to the law. When it comes to changing those laws. But what we really need to do is change hearts and minds. And folks, the only way that's going to happen is through prayer. The only way that's going to happen is through prayer. And by the way, I am convinced that the only reason that this Roe v. Wade was overturned was because of prayer. And I truly believe that the only reason the pendulum, the political pendulum, is swinging back, the direction it is swinging back, is because of prayer. Let me explain what I'm talking about. The Bible refers to, I believe it's in Second Thessalonians, could be wrong. I don't have a Bible in front of me right now, and I don't have my reading glasses on, so I'm just going to go with it. If yeah, you can look it up on Google, it'll tell you. Or DuckDuckGo, or a Brave Browser, which is the one that I like to use, Brave Search. Uh, the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as a restrainer, the restrainer. The restrainer restrain. What does the restrainer restrain? It restrains, he restrains Satan. And I have said in the previous uh, previous podcast, and I will say again, that yes, as well as believing in God, I believe in Satan as a person. Granted, it is a spirit. He is a spirit, but there is a personal Satan, just like there is a personal God there are even a bunch of people out there who call themselves Christians who don't believe in an actual Satan. They just believe that the Satan spoken of in the Bible is a, uh, a metaphor for evil in general. Folks, you cannot have evil in general unless you have an evil instigator. Well, I guess that's not entirely true. But I'm not going to get into that particular uh, rabbit hole. Anyway, the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit 
as the restrainer. And we, ladies and gentlemen, move the hands of God, the Holy Spirit being God, through prayer. I cannot recommend enough the writings of Charles Spurgeon, A.W. Tozer, uh, and um, what's his, uh, Leonard Ravenhill, um, and so many others, uh, Andrew Murray, all of these brilliant theological giants, uh, theological minds uh, on uh, and and what they write on prayer you've absolutely got to read those guys this is this is required reading uh from from me your spiritual warfare drill sergeant or drill instructor that is required reading those guys are absolutely brilliant. And you need to know, as a Christian soldier, how to use your weapons properly. And, folks, we don't have a greater weapon than prayer. We just don't. And I think that the reason that we got stuck in the situation that we were in is because not only were we politically lazy, but more importantly, we were spiritually lazy. The church in the West is the laughingstock of the rest of the world, of the rest of the Christian world. I don't know if you knew this, folks, but places like Africa and China, churches from Africa and China and other third world countries are sending missionaries here to us because our church here in the United States, who's supposed to be the last bastion of Christendom, what a laugh, is in such bad shape spiritually. And ladies and gentlemen, here's another thing I'm going to tell you too. All of these gains that we have been making, we are going to lose just as quickly if we are not on our prayer game. And all of you liberals, all of you folks on the left, all of you Marxists who are listening to me and ticking off the little boxes of all the ways that I'm offending you, which aren't going to mean anything at all, I know you're thinking, oh, he's just always off the deep end and oh, that's so funny and ha ha ha. No, he believes in prayer and what a joke. You just keep laughing. You just keep laughing. Because here's another little thing that you might not know. I'm going to be praying for you too. <laughs> Not bad things, by the way. Oh, no. No, quite the opposite. I'm going to be praying for your salvation. I'm going to be praying for Jesus to introduce himself to you right here and right now, actually. Lord Jesus, I pray that every single liberal, every single Marxist, every single person listening to this message right now who are laughing at me as I pray, I pray that you would personally reach out and touch them and introduce yourself to them. I pray this in the name of the blood of Jesus Christ. Oorah. That, by the way, is the way Marines say amen. So, <laughs> and what's really, really funny is that all of those peoples, just like there are uh, guardian angels for Christians. There are also personal demons. Read C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters. All of those people's personal demons who are listening to this, 
they just went into a panic. And I, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if you liberals just felt a chill go down your spine. But back to my point, you Christians out there, it's you I'm talking to, especially you man-bun-wearing, skinny-jeans-having, repetitive worship songs-singing monster truckers out there. I know you're praying and all that kind of stuff, but you drive me nuts. You guys need to get hard. You guys need to get warrior. It's my biggest pet peeve with most of the churches I go into nowadays is there's this, and even some of the good ones whose theology is solid. The men in those churches are almost female. Emotionally driven. Passive. This almost victim mentality, the churches themselves, while again their theology is, is sound, uh, they've got this self help victim mentality. Christian therapists are being overrun because so many Christians are having so many psychological problems. Ladies and gentlemen, both ladies and gentlemen, I submit one of the reasons, if not the reason, that you're having to go to these Christian counselors is because you have a victim mentality. Oh, I was victimized by this. Oh, this happened to me. Oh, that happened to me. Yes. Okay. Fine. Those things happened to me, too. I just decided I'm not going to let it beat my ass anymore. <gasps> he's that ass. Oh, my goodness. He's going to hell. <gasps> he just that hell, too. What part of United States Navy and United States Marine Corps do you not get? I am not a victim, and every single Christian out there, let me tell you something. You are not a victim either. It's time to cowboy up. Get on your guns. And by that, I mean get to praying. Get to studying your Bible. Don't just read it, study it. You see, I have this belief. I have this theory. And again, you can take the boy out of the Navy and the Marine Corps, but you cannot take the Navy, and you sure as shit can't take the Marine Corps out of the boy. My belief is that the rapture will occur Not so much because we're waiting for the last person that can be saved to be saved. But because the church has become so useless that it has become overpowered by the surrounding satanic culture and must be removed. But Doc, what are you talking about? Think about it. Jesus said in the Bible that the end times will be like Noah and the flood like Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Noah and the Flood. All the world, all the world, 
was corrupt and evil. And still God gave him 120 years. How much longer will I contend with you, O man? 120 years. He gave him 120 extra years to turn around, and they didn't do it, to the point where there was only one decent guy left in the whole world. Now, granted, the population of the whole world wasn't huge at that time. But still, my point being is that all the good people were gone. The evil society had won. There was only one good guy left. And God was like, nope. I got to fix this. Because one good guy ain't enough. So Noah... Build that boat. And when you get done, this is the way I want you to live. Fast forward to Lot. Man, Lot made a lot of really bad decisions. <laughs> that was funny. Lot made a lot. Lot made a lot of really bad decisions. But he was the one righteous guy left in Sodom and Gomorrah. Everybody else in Sodom and Gomorrah was corrupt and evil and wicked. Such that, once again, God had to pull an emergency extraction of his people because there was no way that they were going to be effective anymore. And ladies and gents, that's what I think is going to happen when it comes to the rapture as well. And I know there's just a ton of people out there that say, well, Doc, you know, I, I don't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Well, that's fine. You don't have to. Uh, one of my father's uh, professors at Dallas Theological Seminary used to say, I am a pre-tribulationist unless the tribulation begins and I'm still here, at which point I will become a mid-tribulationist. And uh, if I'm still here when the great tribulation starts, and yes, there is a difference, study your Bible— if the Great Tribulation starts and I'm still here, then I will become a post-tribulationist. However, I will tell you, my almost 30-plus years of studying the Bible and theology, uh, I have seen more than enough evidence to support a pre-tribulation rapture. And then you've got other people who say, well, there's nothing in the Bible. The word rapture doesn't occur in the Bible, so there's, uh, there must not be such a thing as a rapture. You know what? I'm not even going to get into that. Uh, again, I have seen more than enough evidence that I believe that not only is there going to be a rapture, but I believe it is going to be pre-tribulation. For If for no other reason, and there are actually many more reasons, but if for no other reason, then God clearly states that we Christians were not meant for judgment. We will not be judged not like that. And the tribulation is specifically judgment for the wicked. We are not the wicked. Plus the fact that in Revelation it states that the restraints will be removed. Restraint being the Holy Spirit, as we stated previously, we are the carriers of the Holy Spirit on the planet. So if the Holy Spirit is removed such that Satan is allowed to party all the time on the earth for seven and a half years, that means we cannot be here, which is a great segue into my next point. 
Roe v. Wade. Maybe step one towards the final days. Now, let me explain this. Because the Supreme Court has correctly and properly gone federalist, and I believe will stay that way, and will probably become overwhelmingly so after we get a legitimate president in the White House again. I believe that many more, uh, but but either way, the, I think what's going to happen is because, I mean, just days before the... Supreme Court ruled on Roe v. Wade, the Texas GOP had their convention and they passed a uh, referendum for the uh, uh, legislature in the next session to include in the general election an option for Texas secession. In Texas, the Constitution is insanely specific. Basically, the, the government can't do jack unless the people vote on it and say okay, which is good and bad at the same time because it really restricts a lot of what the government can do. However, I'm, I much prefer that, that the government has to keep coming back to the people for permission to do stuff than what we've got in the federal government. But I digress. Still, this is not the first time that this kind of thing has happened. There's been a Texas nationalist movement for probably since Texas joined the Union. Um, but still, here we have the uh, Texas GOP calling on the legislature in the next session to uh, put a resolution, uh, a constitutional resolution, on the ballot for secession. All right. Then Roe v. Wade happened. Well, now sentiment, I believe, has changed. Not for me personally, but sentiment has changed. And I think this is all part of the pendulum swinging back. It's like watching a, a, a sporting event be your favorite sporting event baseball or football or, or whatever, um, the momentum in the game has changed uh, hugely with the Roe v. Wade uh, ruling. Uh, Dr. Steve Turley, who I follow uh, every day, I watch every single day, uh, likened it to uh, the head of the snake being chopped off. This is the end of liberalism in the United States as liberals have known it. Now, I have been saying that liberalism is on its last legs for quite some time, as have many other people like Dr. Turley. And I have surmised that the radical Marxists will once again be marginalized by the Democrat Party and actually blamed for the failures of the Democrat Party and the rhinos are going to join the Democrat Party and create the new Democrat Party or some kind of wording similar to. I believe the first person who's going to cross is Cheney. That's just a guess. But anyway, um, all of this is going to happen. However, regardless of how the Democrat Party reinvents itself yet one more time, and regardless of what they say and what they do and how they try to moderate their radical views, it is going to be a really, really long time. I'm guessing upwards to 20 years, certainly easily a decade, before the Democrat Party is able to come to any kind of power again. They are going to be a permanent minority party for, again, at least another decade. I'm guessing another 20 years. Easy. 
Um, where was I going with this? Ah, yes. The momentum has shifted. The momentum having shifted, now what you are going to see is blue states talking about secession and something more akin to what uh, Colonel Allen West suggested, that red states, those of us who desire to live under the Constitution of the United States as it was written, should just expel the blue states and let them be absorbed by other countries, which is what will likely happen uh, and was predicted by, uh, I can't remember the name of the guy, but a, uh, a Russian political scientist, like way back in the 90s, this guy said that the United States was going to balkanize and, and split up and that the, uh, uh, like the, the, Northeast was going, Northeast and and uh, Pacific Northwest were going to be absorbed into Canada, and uh, California was going to be absorbed into uh, Mexico, which is perfectly fine with me, and I'm sure it would be perfectly fine with uh, everybody else in the red states as well, and everybody who is blue in all of the red states. If the United States is just the evilest place in the whole wide world for you, then you can freaking move. Nobody, nobody, nobody is holding a gun to your head and making you stay here. There. Said it. Anyway, I think what we are going to see, uh, and maybe immediately after, like on Monday, we might start seeing blue states talking about seceding. Because they know now that they are going to lose this war. They have lost this culture war. The culture war is over for them. And the only way that they are going to get their socialist utopia is if they leave the United States. Good riddance. Because let me point a few things out. The red states do not, I repeat, do not, need the blue states. The Midwest, the South, we do not need New York. We do not need New Hampshire. We do not need Maine. We do not need those states. Don't need them, don't want them. We sure as hell don't need California and anything that can be grown in California because California does have a lot of produce coming out of it, a lot of agriculture. Whatever can be grown in California, we can grow too. We don't need you. Don't need you, don't want you. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. But we are, I believe, in some way, shape, or form going to see a split in the United States. One of the prophecies, one of the biblical prophecies that has not yet come true, that must come true prior to the tribulation, is Ezekiel 38 and the subsequent Ezekiel 39. In Ezekiel 38, Israel comes under attack by a multinational uh, military force led by Russia and Turkey and Iran. And I mean, this is pretty much everybody in the world, just about. And the prophecy is very clear that there is nobody in the world willing to help Israel. With the United States headed in the direction that it is headed right now, 
that is not happening. That cannot happen. Because the United States, 100%, especially if we get rid of the blue states, will back Israel all the way against whoever. However, we are seeing, and have been for the past decade or so, we are seeing Russia and Iran first. We saw Russia and Iran getting nice and cozy. And now we are seeing Russia, Iran, and Turkey. Turkey's moving in and and joining in. That axis is forming. So the precursor to Ezekiel 38 is already happening. Also, the precursor to there not being a United States is already happening too. Now let me lay it on you here. This is the way I this is the way I see things working out. Just as Israel separated from Judah Way, way back, if you want to read about that, read Kings and Chronicles in the Bible. Just as Israel separated from Judah, and Israel was wicked the entire time. Excuse me. I'm sorry, I got to take a little, little break here and have some of my Earl Grey green tea. Loose leaf Earl Grey green tea. Uh, I get it on Amazon, and I can't remember the name of the company right offhand. But this stuff is fantastic, and, and I'm I'm like Uncle Sai. I drink tea all the time, and, and I love Earl Grey. I've got Earl Grey black for the morning, Earl Grey green for the afternoon, and Earl Grey red rooibos for the evening because I'm slowly cutting the caffeine down over the day. That's a little bit more than you need to know, but hey, that's me. Excuse me. Anyway, back to my point. Israel separated from Judah. Israel was wicked. From beginning to end, you will read in Chronicles and Kings that there never was, after the separation, a good king of Israel. Now, Judah went back and forth. They had good kings, they had bad kings. They had good kings, they had bad kings. But as time went on, they started to have more bad than good to the point where they were just bad. And then eventually what happened was Judah was taken into captivity by Babylon, and then the rest of the Bible happens. But just like that happened to Israel, I believe that something similar is going to happen to the United States. I believe that the blue states are going to separate. They're going to want to they're going to want to separate. They're going to want to secede and you know what? We're going to go ahead and let them. I really believe that's going to happen and you're going to have an Israel Judah situation. So the wicked blue states and yes they're wicked are going to separate from the United States, and the red states are going to have a good run. And like I said, good 10, 20 years. We're going to need a new capital. Uh, Heck, at at this point, you know, uh, Florida's looking pretty good. Anywhere in Florida would be be nice. But we're going to need a new capital. But we'll work that out later. Uh... I think that's going to happen, and that, slowly but surely, the United States is going to eventually turn wicked because of the same reason we did the last time, because the church is going to get soft and weak and lazy, and at a certain point, the whole world is going to be a hellhole. And once again, there's only going to be a few people, a few righteous people left on earth. And God's going to say, you know what? It's time. 
And those few people, those few righteous people who are left are going to be taken up. And then, then the fun starts. Then the tribulation begins. But that is a discussion for another time. Those are my thoughts on the political and spiritual causes and ramifications of the Roe versus Wade uh, decision. Praise God on that. And I hope you enjoyed this special. If you have any comments, uh, I am going to be posting this to my, my regular podcast and maybe bits and pieces of it or uh, re-record certain video of it for uh, Odyssey and BitChute. None of this will be on YouTube. Uh, but if you have any comments, send me an email at doc, D-O-C, Bryant, B-R-Y-A-N-T, show, S-H-O-W, at zoho, Z-O-H-O, mail, dot com. That's Doc Bryant Show at zohomail.com. I look forward to hearing to you, uh, or for, forward to hearing from you. And uh, I'll be praying for all of you. Yes, you liberals too. I will be praying for all of you. And uh, especially if you have theological insights or, or any intellectual insights, any of that stuff. I love a good discussion. That's one of my favorite things. Anyway, again, thank you for listening, and uh, I'll talk to you in the next podcast. Bye-bye.